0: You're listening to Radio Free Nashville, 107.1 and 103.7 FM LP and streaming live at RadioFreeNashville.org. Welcome to the Veterans for Peace
1: Radio Hour. We have a, a Golden Rule song we can send you. Um, actually, there's two two wonderful Golden Rule songs that have been written um, and recorded uh, that would uh, be a great uh, uh, intro and exit for your your uh, interview, if you want to do that.
0: Oh, yeah, we always Perfect. end with a song one, for sure.
1: Okay. One of them is from uh, David Rovix, uh, but the other one is, which is actually uh, be, become quite part of our theme song, is by another uh, artist. It's
2: by Mike Stern, who lives in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And this is a song that was played at the time that the Golden Rule was relaunched. <laughs> I
3: didn't know when we set sail peaceful protest our sail to the no wind and pray the bomb would not be used again okay you see buoy
4: Delta yep. up there that's Echo. Delta is uh, just off sorry, yep. that's where the a
0: starboard bow. The golden
3: rule the golden rule Words that we had learned in Sunday school, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But the Phoenix crew, about halfway through, both our ships moored in Honolulu. The do our best and try to stop nuclear tests. Neither ship did give way, but trial then kept us at bay. We made it just hard way through. So now the rest is up to you. It's up to me. It's up to you have them do you would have them do you.
0: That was Jerry Condon and Helen Jacquard of Veterans for Peace introducing the song by Mike Stearns about the golden rule. No, not the saying of do unto others. The sailboat that embodies that saying as you heard in the song. So today we will hear from Jerry and Helen about this wonderful little sailboat who just might be coming to a river or a port near you as it tries to share the dangers of nuclear armament and war and the messages that peace and justice are possible. But first, my name is Jim Wolgamuth, and I'm here with fellow Vietnam veteran Harvey Bennett. Veterans for Peace is an international organization of military veterans and allies whose collective efforts are to build a culture of peace, humanity, equality, and justice. For more information, go to veteransforpeace.org. You can get a copy of this show by just going to SoundCloud or Anchor or and searching on Veterans for Peace, the Hector Black chapter. You can also easily find us on your phone. Um, If you have the podcast app on your phone, just search Veterans for Peace. We'll pop up. Uh, The Veterans for Peace Radio Hour and Radio Free Nashville are supported in part by the Green Party of Tennessee, bringing some common sense into the bipolar world of American politics. Go to greenpartyoftennessee.org. If you're in the Nashville area, Veterans for Peace is inviting you to our weekly one-hour vigil on Fridays at noon outside of Congressman Jim Cooper's office with a to-do list for Mr. Cooper and thus for the whole U.S. government, including Mr. Joe Biden. We will be on Church Street between 6th and 7th, so come join us. If you cannot get out safely, call your congressperson about something or write. There's a big, long list of to-dos that we have for them. So do something. Get in contact with your congressman. Let them know that you're concerned. Let them have it, especially after this last week of betrayals. So this week on the show, we turn to a major Veterans for Peace project. That's the golden rule. This is the story of a truly heroic little sailboat and Helen Jacquard and Jerry Condon took time to tell us about it. So today we have Jerry Condon and Helen Jacquard. Did I pronounce that correctly, Helen?
2: Yep, that's good.
0: All right, very good. And they are gonna talk about one of their primary projects of Veterans for Peace, which is this sailboat called the Golden Rule. So, Jerry, Helen, what makes the Golden Rule so special?
2: Well, Golden Rule uh, participated in helping to get the Limited Nuclear Test Ban Treaty of 1963 signed. In 1958, four Quaker peace activists sailed the Golden Rule in an attempt to get to the Marshall Islands to just interfere with nuclear bomb tests. They made it as far as Honolulu, where the golden rule is today, before they were arrested for trying to enter this giant zone that the US government had made illegal to
1: enter. And I should add that the captain uh, was a retired World War II Navy commander, uh, Albert Bigelow. Mm.
2: Well, yes, and he um, he, re- he quit his commission, just months before he could have received full pay um, out of protest to the dropping of the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Wow. So um, <laughs> this boat um, inspired the, the tactics used by Greenpeace when they, their first mission was to sail to Alaska to interfere with nuclear bomb tests up there.
1: but okay. so this is a small boat, it's like 30. Two thirty-four 34 feet at the waterline at the small wooden boat. At that point, it it was built in Costa Rica in the uh, mid-50s, 56 to 58, and then um, finished in L.A., and they bought it and sailed it uh, across the ocean from San Pedro Harbor in Los Angeles all the way to Honolulu. Uh, Well, the first attempt, they uh, they were turned back by terrible storms and a sick, crew member. I mean, it's no small feat to sail across an ocean in a small boat, uh, but they persevered, and they, they made it the second time, uh, but then uh, they, they weren't allowed to continue uh, onward to the Marshall Islands.
2: Right, so they got to Honolulu, and um, they resupplied, and they attempted to take off for the Marshall Islands while the Coast Guard caught, her, caught up with them and brought them back. And while while some of the crew was in jail, the rest of the crew grabbed another crew member and they took off again. (laughs) And the Coast Guard brought them back again. But This was a huge deal as far as the the growing peace movement, the growing anti-nuclear and peace movement was concerned. And so there was this huge uproar over the arrest of the crew. They spent 60 days in jail. Uh, One of the uh, crew members ended up getting uh, tuberculosis while he was in the Honolulu City Jail.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Right. Another boat, um, the Phoenix of Hiroshima took over the mission. They took the baton literally, and they this family sailed into the Marshall Islands in protest of the nuclear bomb
1: testing. That, that's really another amazing part of this whole story uh, because the father in that family had been a medical researcher uh, working actually on a study by the US government on the effects of the radiation in Hiroshima. His research, um, what's his name? Earl Reynolds. Earl Reynolds. His research was so highly classified that he was unable to look at it himself, if you can believe that. <laughs> um, so um, he was uh, pretty uh, concerned. He. He'd, he'd always wanted to sail around the world. Uh, so he, I guess he quit his job or decided he was finished with that business. and um, He, he uh, had a boat built in Hiroshima uh, by Japanese people, beautifully done. It's a 50 foot.
2: Um, yeah. And uh,
1: he had uh, his whole family, his, uh, he, he's, he wanted to sail around the world by himself was his, his, an idea that he'd had for, I guess, much of his life. His wife said, no way you're going by yourself. You're taking me and the whole family. So they had, <laughs> they had the wife, the, the, uh, of course, the husband, the wife, the uh, two teenage children, including a, a 14-year-old girl, and a cat. And they did sail around the world. Uh, they made many wonderful, incredible stops. It was a most amazing experience for all of them. And imagine the children—all oh, they learned on that way. Yes. Uh, but then they happened to pull into Honolulu on their way back to Japan, and they were uh, in the same harbor as the Golden Rule, and they met these guys who were on trial at the time. They went and they attended the trial. They were so impressed. And by the way, they also had two Japanese crew uh, from Hiroshima, and. Uh, They were so impressed and inspired by the courage of these four Quaker peace activists that they had a little family meeting and decided that they were going to sail their boat into the uh, nuclear test zone in the Marshall Islands. And they did so. They took them a couple of weeks to get from Honolulu to Marshall Islands, and they sailed in there. They they were then uh, stopped by the U.S. uh, Navy and Coast Guard, I think and arrested, Uh, the the father was arrested. He was on trial in Honolulu for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Um, And that also added to the publicity uh, so that people uh, all around the world were learning, many of them for the first time, about the radiation from these nuclear tests that was floating all over the globe, getting into mother's milk, into cow's milk. There were women in this country who were actually uh, uh, using uh, Geiger counters counters to check their baby's milk before they gave it to them. Uh, Dr. Spock was big on that. Like I said, and and as Helen said earlier, this whole awareness and and movement uh, really gave a lot of momentum uh, to the 1963 partial nuclear test ban treaty, uh, which was signed by President Kennedy along with the leaders of the UK and the USSR, and that uh, treaty Uh, declared that uh, we could no longer test um, nuclear bombs in the air, the atmosphere, in the uh, water, or in space. and was still allowed to continue it underground at that time.
2: Why were they going there in the first place? Well, the United States in total dropped 67 nuclear bombs on the Marshall Islands. And there's an important anniversary this month, March 1st, 1954, is the day the Castle Bravo test was done. And that test was the first thermonuclear bomb that the United States ever used. It was, um, there was an accident. It was a mistake. The yield of it was two and a half times what was planned. And although the weatherman said, don't do it today, They did it anyway, knowing full well that the wind was blowing, going to blow this radioactive fallout over populated areas.
1: It was something like a thousand times the the power of the Hiroshima bomb. And uh, they didn't warn the the local Martial people of the injuries. In fact, they used them as guinea pigs. Uh, They studied them for many years and indeed, uh, aside from the fact that a couple of those islands were totally destroyed. Um, and others just uninhabitable because of the radiation, even to this day. um, they um, And people were forcibly removed from from their islands, but they were also uh, uh, inspected and injected. Actually, some of them were injected with radioactive isotopes to see what would happen to them. So they were uh, used and abused. And even to this day, they suffer greatly. There's a very high rate of cancer and deaths from cancer, especially thyroid cancer. Um, and uh, to, to add insult to injury uh, they're now also the victims of the other um, existential threat global warming because the seas are rising and they're gradually losing the terror the, their, their islands so many of them have actually migrated to the US and they uh, where they remain very poor isolated discriminated against and uh, in many cases, uh, don't even have access to, uh, uh, well, they're not, they can't become U.S. citizens and they don't have access to uh, uh, medical care in the U.S. So uh, this is an ongoing uh, huge human rights uh, crime that continues to this day. Uh, These four Quaker peace activists had announced their intentions before they left Los Angeles for the Marshall Islands. They, you know, they wanted to publicize what they were doing. This was a Uh, a very, very creative and bold act of uh, civil disobedience, and they wanted the world to know about it. Uh, And uh, so the U.S. government certainly knew about it. And and while the golden rule was actually sailing towards Hawaii, the uh, Atomic Energy Commission, the U.S. Atomic Energy Commission, um, promulgated a rule that made it illegal to Threat to sail into the, to a nuclear test zone. And that was the basis upon which uh, they were arrested in Hawaii and that's the basis upon which Burt Reynolds, the uh, captain of the Phoenix of Hir- Hiroshima was arrested and tried. And uh, later on, it turned out that that rule was totally unconstitutional. Um, and, that's, and that's why their cases uh, and their convictions were thrown out uh, it, because um, it was, they couldn't declare this huge Section of international waters uh, to be off limits. is ultimately what the courts ruled um, At any rate uh, At that point in time the golden rule And the power of the golden rule and the continuing power of the golden rule is based in large part on this Incredible story with all these amazing connections um, But uh, the golden rule kind of dropped out of off people's radar for quite a few years after a after the arrest and trials in, in, in Hawaii, the boat was sold, and it became uh, the property of three or four consecutive owners who sailed it all over the world.
2: Well, it sailed all over the South Pacific under the second owner. It was it sailed, um, we found out about uh, that it was in the Gulf of Mexico for a while and all over the Caribbeans and ultimately ended up back in San Francisco, where it was sold to the fourth owner. Um, eventually, Golden Rule ended up in Humboldt Bay in Northern California and sank in a gale. Um, she was in horrible and, shape before she even sank. And that was uh, t-
1: 2010.
2: That's right, sank in 2010. And then, so she was drug up into the boat yard near where she had sunk and, um, the boatyard owner called up his best friend, a member of Veterans for Peace and said, hey, Chuck, why don't you come on over here? We'll share a bottle of Maker's Mark and use the golden rule as a bonfire. (laughs) So she faced a watery grave and then a fiery grave. And then-
1: um, Then the BFP members in Humboldt Bay found out what the history of this boat was and uh, Decided that they wanted to restore the boat and restore its mission uh, of sailing for a nuclear free world. And how long did it take them to restore the boat? Five
2: years, five long years. People showed up at that
1: boatyard every day.
2: And, you know, most boat restoration projects don't even get finished. But this one was relaunched in June of 2015. And then in July of 2015, um, I was one of the maiden uh, voyage crew members. And we sailed down to San Diego in time for the Veterans for Peace National Convention. And we took hundreds of people sailing off of that dock in San Diego that year. It was Mm -hmm. an amazing thing for Veterans for Peace. And we sailed up and down from Ensenada, Mexico, all the way up to Vancouver and Victoria, British Columbia for five years.
1: Yeah, going to Mexico was great. Uh, We we were able to take, uh... Uh, the, the deported veterans who are, have a chapter of Veterans for Peace in Tijuana, take them out, a couple groups of them out sailing on Ensenada Bay. And uh, I've never seen people happier. <laughs> that was terrific. So
2: then, and um, then we decided that when the Trump got elected as president and was threatening uh, North Korea. And North Korea, in turn, was also threatening the United States with nuclear weapons we decided that we needed to go into the Pacific, uh, back into the Pacific and try to sail back to the Marshall Islands. And our intent was to continue on to Japan in time for the 75th anniversary of the dropping of the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki.
1: Right, but we were gonna go to the Marshall Islands, uh, the original destination of the Golden Rule, um, and then on to Guam. Uh, which is also similarly uh, um, occupied really by the US military and with great environmental uh, consequences. Um, and um, then on to Okinawa, uh, similarly um, um, very much occupied by the US military uh, before, had, before getting to Japan. And this was our plan. This was uh, something we put a lot of work into. We contacted people in all those countries who were very excited about our our arrival. Uh, But COVID-19 threw a big wrench into the works and uh, all those islands had to close down. They kind of cut cut themselves off. The Marshall Islands uh, successfully uh, uh, kept COVID-19 out uh, by just sealing themselves off from foreign travel. Um, And the other islands uh, had similar restrictions. So uh, it was just one more, one more major obstacle, and at this point in time, Veterans for Peace National Board and the Golden Rule Committee got together and decided, you know what, um, this is not gonna work. We can't continue the, the, uh, the Pacific voyage. And instead, we're gonna bring, it, bring the Golden Rule back to the United States, uh, back to plan A, which is to travel all throughout the navigable waterways of the United States Uh, once again, educating people about the uh, growing danger, actually, of nuclear war and, uh, uh, you know, sailing for a nuclear-free world and a peaceful, um, sustainable future.
2: Right. So, March 1st is not just a day to remember the victims of the Castle Bravo nuclear test and all the nuclear testing in the Marshall Islands, but it's commemorate all of the nuclear victims, including those exposed to uranium mining. There's 15,000 abandoned uranium mines in the Western states. Um, And to commemorate the, the loss of the people in Hiroshima and Nagasaki and Fukushima and Chernobyl and Three Mile Island and all the people that have suffered as a result of the entire nuclear chain are remembered on that day. And we should also note that today, March 11th, is the 10th anniversary of the Fukushima disaster. Mm. And right now they just completed getting the fuel rods out of the nuclear plants that were affected by the, by the tsunami. Um, but they've got this huge amount of um, storage uh, tanks on site. And they've run out of room to put more tanks. They're threatening to put this radioactive water into the ocean. So the cleanup is not going well. Um, and there's this threat of, you know, release, massive release of radiation into the Pacific Ocean from the Fukushima disaster. Um, there are still thousands and thousands of evacuees um, from the fi- near Fukushima and, in fact, in Tokyo, there are hot spots there that are even worse than what's right there at Fukushima just because of the way that the wind was blowing during that period of time.
1: Oh, I'd like to come back to the second voyage of the Golden Rule from California to Hawaii, uh, which was um, in 2019. 2019, we sailed from San Diego uh, to Hilo, Hawaii. That trip took um, um, how long? 20 days. 20 days. Um, And uh, it went pretty smoothly. And so we arrived at the end of July of 2019 into Hilo on the Big Island of Hawaii. And uh, it just happened, our arrival happened to coincide with... uh, The big uh, Native Hawaiian-led protests up at Mount Akea, uh, their sacred mountain, which uh, was was against the construction of a huge uh, 30-meter telescope on top of uh, about half a dozen other telescopes that were already up on Mount Akea without uh, any consultation or respect to the Native peoples and their desires. Um, so we arrived right into that situation, we were, uh, we went up to uh, Mount um, Achaia and were invited to meet with the elders there, who were very excited to, to we presented uh, the Veterans for Peace flag to them, and, uh, and told them the story of the Golden Rule, and they were re- very, very pleased to have us there. There's, of course, the Pacific Islands have a, quite a sailing tradition, and Um, So the idea of a boat as a protest boat is something that really resonated strongly with them. Well, as it turns out, we've been in Hawaii for how long now?
2: Over a year and a half.
1: Yeah, so we've been there quite a bit. We've sailed to almost every single, well, we've sailed to all the Hawaiian Islands, except for one, and that's the one that's off limits because it was bombed to smithereens by U.S. bombing. And that's the thing that really shocked us. We learned so much when we were in Hawaii to find out that Hawaii itself, this tropical paradise as it's as it's known uh, and and promoted, is heavily occupied um, by U.S. military. Um, one and there's lots of, of testing and bombing and and damage to the environment. One whole island that's uh, got so much uh, unexploded ordnance on it that it's uninhabitable and can't even. I guess uh, some of the uh, traditional native Hawaiians are able to uh, make occasional uh, visits to that island very carefully. Um, And we met a lot of uh, native Hawaiians who don't even consider Hawaii to be legally a state to be part of the United States. And uh, uh, they're very concerned about the actually growing military presence there. which has done great damage to not only the environment, but also the native Hawaiian culture. (coughs) And we found out, well, this is the case really also in the Marshall Islands, also in Guam, also in Okinawa, Um, throughout the Pacific. uh, Ever since the World War II, the U.S. has basically continued to occupy, uh, I I would call it occupation. They continue to have a strong overbearing uh, military presence there which is not subject to the democratic will of the local peoples um, and they continue to do a lot of environmental damage and right now they're increasing their presence in the, in many of those islands including hawaii including guam including okinawa um, as as part of the whole pivot to to asia that began under the obama administration and continues strongly apparently under the biden administration and that. The whole idea is that somehow we have to prepare for war with China, even though China doesn't want war and isn't isn't demonstrating aggressive behavior towards anybody. The whole idea that China could be growing so much and becoming out out outdistancing the U.S. economically and becoming a big power is somehow unacceptable uh, to the leaders of this country. And so they're actually contemplating Uh, provoking and carrying out a war with China to set it back a few decades. And uh, it's a very dangerous situation. So these are some of the things we learned while we were in Hawaii. We were able to make a lot of friends uh, that that we maintained close contact with, uh, including many uh, native Hawaiians. And we also, even though we were unable to sail on to the Marshall Islands and Guam and Okinawa, We did organize a uh, webinar um, at the BFP National Convention this year in 2020, uh, which, as you know, was a virtual convention, and we had uh, uh, leaders from uh, Marshall Islands, Okinawa and Guam and Hawaii uh, present a, a very powerful presentation about how U.S. militarism is impacting their communities. So that has become another major part of our message as we travel. And while we travel throughout the U.S. in the coming couple of years, we're gonna to continue to remind people about uh, the impact of U.S. militarism in the Pacific. Do you have any,
4: do you have any tentative uh,
1: uh, itinerary for the U.S.
4: sailings where you'll be going? Yes.
2: Yes. Okay. Um, so in order to avoid hurricane season, we'll start the the trip around what's called the Great Loop um, in December. Now the Great Loop is we will sail all along the Gulf states and then we'll Take a left turn at uh, the tip of Florida and we'll go all the way up the eastern seaboard and we're probably going to go around into the St. Lawrence waterway in Canada. And travel along there to the Great Lakes and sail all over the, the big cities on the Great Lakes. And then we'll be coming down the Illinois, Mississippi, Ohio, Tennessee, and Tom Bigby Rivers back to the Gulf of Mexico. And this is going to take a little over a year. Wow. So the southern states are going to happen in the winter time and That's right. The Gulf states are going to happen in the wintertime. 2021, 22, that's right. And then um, we'll sail up the East Coast in the spring. The Northern States, in order to avoid the cold, that'll happen in the summertime. The The Northeast and the Great Lakes, that's in the summertime. And then we'll sail back South in the fall.
1: So,
2: That's right. So we're Mm -hmm. gonna hit as many places as we can um, without exhausting ourselves or, you know, we have to give ourselves enough time for, for crew downtime and maintenance, but it's going to be a very um, impressive schedule hitting somewhere between 50 and 80, um, you know, major stops along the way um, to talk with people about the entire nuclear chain. But
4: Wow, that's exciting. I live in Charleston. I hope like you guys on. will make a stop there. Absolutely.
2: Is it on the coast?
4: Yeah, Charleston, South Carolina. That's. It was the main entry port for the transatlantic oh, yeah. slave there. trade.
0: So when you stop at a place, what do you do? Oh, yeah. That would be a.
2: <clears throat> oh, great question. Thank you for asking. We hold educational events primarily. Um, so we talk about the history of the Golden Rule through the video that we have on our website vfpgoldenrule.org, and we talk about what's going on with nuclear issues today and what people can do to try to stop the possibility of nuclear war, and we try to also connect with people that are wanting to get rid of nuclear power or people that think that we should leave uranium in the ground. Um, So we try to talk about the entire nuclear chain. There's a lot of nuclear power plants along our path, and a lot of people that are trying to get those, especially those old ones shut down, and people that are working to dispel the myths of clean nuclear energy, which it's not. Um, There's a lot of carbon that goes into both building a nuclear power plant and in making the fuel rods that are needed to produce the uranium for the for the power in the power plants
1: when we stop in various cities we like to take uh people out sailing with us on the boat um, that's always a very popular thing to do of course it's not a huge boat you can't take a whole lot of people but um, we try to take some of the some of the key uh leaders like for example tomorrow in Honolulu Bay well I say tomorrow well, I'm I'm talking about uh, Monday, March 1st, which is Castle, the, the, the Castle Bravo Day, and and the uh, um, the uh, nuclear nu- victims nu- nu- nuclear victims remembrance day. We are taking Marshallese leaders it, who live in the in Hawaii out uh, sailing on on Honolulu Bay with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we like to take youth, young people out sailing with us, and community leaders out sailing with us. We of course we try to get as much media attention as we can and we're often very successful at that with i mean front page photos beautiful front page spreads with the photo of this beautiful boat and those those red sails with the logos vfp logo and the peace sign uh, surprising how often we end up on the front page um, so uh, yeah we're going to try to bring as much attention uh to the the, the danger of nuclear war the the problem with the whole nuclear cycle as Helen is saying, and then to connect with the other struggles of the day. I think we're gonna put more emphasis on that than ever before, because that's the direction of the movement right now. I think none of us, none of these issues are, are, can be really successfully mobilized around separately. Um, I think we're gonna, if, even tying up with, with the Black Lives Matter as well as with the climate justice movement and other struggles, of course, against U.S. intervention around the globe. All these things, I think we, we, uh, we will all win together if we fight together. And so we're gonna, you know, and uh, that's the direction of Veterans for Peace. That's the direction of the peace movement. Uh, maybe it's not just gonna be a peace movement anymore. It's gonna be something bigger and broader and more urgent and more connected and uh, you know we want to be part of uh, facilitating those connections as we make these stops in all the cities. So we're we're already busy connecting uh, with a lot of the groups that will help us organize those events. You mentioned the Tennessee River, and that getting pretty close to Oak
4: Ridge, which is where all the warheads are made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that would be a
2: great stop. I was going to mention we do have a that's right, and we do have a plan to go up to Oak Ridge. Um, it's a side trip but I think it might be well worth taking. Um, There are a couple other important places in Tennessee that you should probably know about. Irwin, Tennessee, the home of the National Nuclear Security Administration's nuclear fuel facility where they reprocess um, plutonium to put it into um, nuclear power plants for the submarines, nuclear armed submarines. And then there's Greensboro, Tennessee, where they make depleted uranium ten, uh, depleted uranium weapons, and that's a facility where, in the 1980s, a green cloud went up from there, and drifted over a bunch of kids playing baseball, and, and melted their uniforms and sent um, a lot of kids to the hospital. And the the Davy Crockett Dam, um, the river that's on that 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 dam holds back is so toxic that you don't even let your dogs go swimming in it because mm-hmm. it will die almost immediately.
4: Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I I figure you probably know about Oak Ridge Environmental Peace Alliance. Ralph Hutchison who runs that out of uh, Knoxville, but I'm sure he would love to- I've uh, been in Collaborate with you guys.
1: With yes. Yeah. 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 Yes. yeah, he's great. Yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of people, there's a lot. There's a lot of people like him and that um, Oak Ridge Environmental Peace Alliance around the country that have yeah. been doing really great work yeah. for a lot of years. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we hope to be connecting with all of them and helping, you know, part of our, our plan is not just to toot our own horn and and uh, tell our own truth, but to, to uh, give a platform to lift up uh, local struggles such as that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so this is going to be the... Probably the biggest visibility uh, that the Golden Rule has had, certainly um, in the recent uh, period of the restored and revived Golden Rule and its mission. Uh, So it has the potential of being really huge. Um, People are so inspired by this beautiful boat with the red sails, with the big uh, Veterans for Peace logo and the peace sign on the two sails. And it's just a gorgeous boat coming in on this Mm. totally unique mission, totally unique way of, of hearing a powerful message. And uh, it, always, uh, it always delights people and engages people. And so we're looking to partner um, with a lot of other peace and disarmament organizations, but also climate justice groups, racial justice groups, and uh, really the whole movement because all these connections are so vitally important. And uh, so we're looking forward to a very, very a powerful uh, golden rule uh, voyage uh, that's, throughout uh, That's so exciting. Yeah.
4: You, you also will be a great opportunity to uh, promote the UN treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons.
2: <laughs> that's a major part of our message. Um, starting in uh, July of 2017, when the United Nations passed the treaty on the prohibition of nuclear weapons, um, by a vote of 122 to 1. So, the nation, the world's people have spoken and said, we want to get rid of nuclear weapons. Yes. And indeed, the Non-Proliferation Treaty <laughs> says that the nuclear-armed countries will negotiate for a reduction and ultimate end of nuclear weapons, and they are not following the rules of this treaty um, as often happens, especially with the United States, where they don't respect the treaties that they've signed.
1: Yeah, the the uh, the treaty actually went into effect uh, this year, January twenty second, right? Um, and has been celebrated all over the world. And even, you know, of course, none of the nuclear powers are signed onto this treaty, and uh, so we have a lot of work to do. But people see it as a as a major watershed moment, a turning point, uh, where uh, basically nuclear weapons have been declared to be illegal. And this is giving a lot of momentum. Uh,
0: have you linked up with anybody from the Plowshares? From plowshare, I know. You know, the Plowshare 7 is, I don't know how many. Kings in, Bay. Uh, Kings Bay. Yeah, Kings Bay Plowshare 7 are um, uh, going to jail.
1: Uh, right. Well, we're very aware of them. Uh, of course, we we hear about them a lot, but actually, I don't know if we've actually directly linked up to them. But we certainly mm-hmm. know some people who are actively uh, in supporting that campaign, and that's important, uh, especially because this, you know, w- we use the, the Golden Rule Boat largely as an as an educational vehicle. In fact. Uh, one of, the, uh, one of the people who put this boat back together, Chuck DeWitt, calls it a, uh, a weapon of mass education.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but the original purpose, or the ri- original mission was an incredibly bold act uh, of civil disobedience where people re- literally put their lives on the line in, 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 in a number of different ways. So we generally don't... Uh, use it as a civil disobedience. Uh, we, we try not to break laws mm-hmm. because we don't want to get the boat seized and, and out of commission for a number of years while we're fighting to get it back or whatever. <laughs> uh, but we do also, if, sometimes we do protest actions. We participate in protest actions. Like when we go to some of these, these uh, facilities, nuclear related facilities, uh, if the local community wants to mobilize an event with or without civil disobedience, we will be there and 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 be present and be part of that and bring attention to that. Yeah. Uh, but in the, we certainly should be bringing attention to those people who, like the original crew of the Golden Rule, have really put their lives on the line mm-hmm. uh, to resist uh, uh, nuclear war. Uh, so those those folks are uh, are heroes to us, and I'm glad you mentioned them because we we really should. Uh, reach out to them and uh, make sure that uh, uh, they know how much we appreciate them.
0: Yeah, and, and that you're coming. So, <laughs> but, but speaking of that, you know how the, the government, no matter whether it's Trump or Biden, um, this weapon of mass education, how much blowback you get? I know they're not going to like this.
2: <laughs> we don't get blowback. We get on the front page of the newspapers and we let people know that we are primarily on an educational mission. Um, Who is going to argue with stopping the possibility of nuclear war?
0: Um, (laughs) They don't. I know. (laughs) You know, that seems like a a funny (laughs) question, but, you know, you still have to scratch your head.
4: South Carolina might surprise you. (laughs) It's pretty...
2: Also, oh,
4: yep. South
1: Carolina where
4: we'll have some issues. <laughs> <laughs> no, it'll be
1: fine.
4: It'll it'll be great. And the local paper, I'm sure,
1: will do a good job. You may know that in my own history as a Vietnam-era veteran, I, I refused orders to Vietnam. And I spent uh, six years in Sweden and Canada uh, and came back in uh, 1975. Uh, fighting for amnesty for, for war resistors and an end to the war. And I went on a 50-city speaking tour all around the U.S., uh, even though there was a jail sentence hanging over my head. Eventually got dropped. Uh, but uh, <laughs> the reason I'm bringing it up is because uh, I never got – I was on a lot of media, thing radio shows and whatnot. I never got so roasted, so ripped apart, so attacked – it's when I was on the radio in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, boy, I was on talk, talk radio there and they just bore me to shreds. <laughs> so yeah, we should be prepared for a little bit of that. We've been, we've been uh, pretty fortunate so far, but I'm sure we'll get some pushback here and there.
4: What kind of sailing uh, experience well, do you require?
2: Well, we need at least two good sailors on board at any one time. Um, yeah. Usually it's going to be me and the captain and two people who are maybe not so experienced because most of where we're going is not technically difficult.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're looking for somebody who knows how to operate the cannons.
0: Knows how to operate what, Jerry?
1: <laughs> the cannons.
0: The cannons. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's what I thought you said. <laughs>
0: Well, you got to be careful because remember Charleston is where they started shelling Fort Sumter. So (laughs) I'm sure they're still armed and dangerous there. Yeah. Nice. We
2: are, we are um, looking for crew. Um, I will let people know when it's time to start applying, but we're going to need, uh, we always use a rotating crew because most people can't give, you know, more than a couple of weeks of their lives to this project. And it's very intense while your crew because you're going, um, you know, you go typically on an overnight voyage and then you land and you participate in whatever speaking events are going to happen during that next day um, or two or three. And then you get back on the boat and take it to the next stop. And it's, it's um, you know, since it's very intense and you don't really get any time off while your crew, it's, but we like to share the, the beauty of being able to see these wonderful places you can only see from the water as well as the joy of being able to participate in these amazing um, you know e- educational events and possibly even in some more um, you know coordinating with people to do some sort of a protest mm-hmm. or, or demonstration about, some issue that's going on locally.
0: Yeah, is there there an application
4: form on your website?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Harvey and I can talk.
2: Uh, Yes, It's not active right now. Within the next couple of days, I'll make the crew application form active as well as a volunteer application form so that people can say, we would like to host the crew. We're Mm -hmm. gonna need help with all kinds of things, Mm -hmm. planning, transportation,
1: Mm-hmm. Um, this is a very logistics-heavy project. Mm-hmm. Thank God we have Helen, project manager here, who's very good with logistics and and keeping a number of balls in the air. Uh, so it's a it's a, it's it's a lot of work. It also takes a certain amount of funds um, to make this happen. And so we yeah. want to encourage people if you share our enthusiasm for this project to please. Uh, Donate to this uh, historic voyage of the Golden Rule anti nuclear sailboat of Veterans for Peace. And you can do that um, at our website, which is vfpgoldenrule.org.
0: VFP, okay, everybody, goldenrule.org.
1: Okay, listeners.
4: Yeah, that's where you go to donate. So, right. So, Sounds great, yeah. Yeah, so exciting.
0: Yeah. Now, and this a, is going to be a two. A oh, you got a Facebook page? Yeah, they have yes. Facebook. It's, uh, it's, it's Facebook dot com
1: slash Golden Rule Peace Boat. Mm-hmm. Nice.
2: Golden Peace Boat.
4: Yeah,
0: <clears throat> because oh, this yeah. is this is a almost a two year uh, endeavor, right?
1: The, point, the point is going to be. Uh, We'll be sailing for the entire year of 2022. Mm -hmm. And then I'm sure that's going to spill over into uh, 2023. Mm. First of all, we have to bring the boat back to uh, California from Hawaii. We're planning to do that in uh, May and arrive back here by June. That'll be over a month-long voyage uh, back to the United States. Uh, We're going to come back to Northern California. We're going to be in San Francisco Bay for a few months and then waiting for the, the right, uh, weather. We always have to be in tune with, uh, the seasons and the weather, um, for sailing. Um, we can't sail from California to, um, to the Gulf coast. So we're going to put uh, the golden rule on a, a trailer and trucker from California, probably to Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, and, uh, and then begin sailing along the Gulf, and that would be in November or December of this year. Um, and then uh, we begin, to, we don't have, well, we actually do have some tentative dates um, already, uh, but we would start sailing in, in December along the Gulf, um, and then uh, de- that would be December, January, um, into February maybe on the Gulf, uh, and, then he- and then head up the, the East Coast.
2: And just so you have an idea about your neck Uh, of the woods, um, our side trip to Knoxville um, should be approximately November of 2022. hmm. Um, It looks like we might be in Nashville in November of
4: 2022. Really? Yes. Yeah. Do you have a date for Charleston or a range in there?
2: Um, Yeah, let me get that up here. So I've got Baltimore in June, Philly in June, New York City in June, Norfolk um, in May, Um, Charleston, yeah, um, looks like the end of March. Okay,
4: yeah.
2: But um, when we finish getting back to the Gulf of Mexico in early 2023, most likely we're going to return to California through the Panama Canal.
1: Wow all right and that'll give us an opportunity uh, possibly to sail to Cuba where you know there was almost a nuclear war fought over Cuba yeah um, mm-hmm. and to sail on to other countries in Central America. It's interesting that um, Honduras of all countries, or they don't have a very nice situation right now. That's w- mm-hmm. why so many Honduran immigrants are heading for the U.S. because uh, they have a country that's controlled by a corrupt, repressive government and 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 uh, nar- narco gangs um, and death squads. Uh, but nonetheless, Honduras was the the country that the 50th country to sign the Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. Yeah, uh, and once 50 countries. Once 50 countries signed it, it went into effect. Um, so that was th- that was their goal. Um, and then we find out with a little further investigation that the entire Latin America from the Mexico US border all the way down to the tip of South America is one huge nuclear free zone. Um, I didn't and, know that. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's something, mm-hmm. that's something to really uh, uh, we didn't know that either, wasn't really very aware of it. There's actually a little uh, uh, monument uh, at the border at Tijuana that states that. Uh, wow. And um, it is the case. So, uh, and of course, uh, uh, nuclear bomb, we don't usually connect uh, nuclear issues with Latin America issues, but of course, uh, the nuclear, uh, the US refusal to give up on nuclear weapons instead to be. Uh, developing new nuclear weapons, new generations of nuclear weapons, has, all, has everything to do with U.S. domination of the globe, mm-hmm. including Latin America, where mm-hmm. even under the Biden administration, Cuba and Nicaragua and Venezuela, countries that have decided to break free of the hold of uh, the U.S. empire, uh, are under a direct threat, Not probably not, not with nu- nuclear weapons, Uh, But nonetheless, the the whole uh, posture of the United States, towards the rest of the world, uh, including Latin America, remains a dangerous one. So if we sail um, to Central America, we'll certainly be um, connecting with those issues as well. And Costa Rica seemed like that would be a good place to stop since it was built
4: there, and they're relatively... uh... Enlightened people down there. My wife has a lot of Costa Rican cousins, so we know that place. Yeah,
1: good point. That would be the golden rule going all the way home to Costa Rica. That would be that would be an event in itself.
2: Yeah, once you and Caribbean treaty prohibiting uh, nuclear weapons is the first of the nuclear weapons free zones.
3: Mm-hmm. There's
2: five of them, and they cover virtually the entire southern hemisphere. Mm. And the one, the one, the Latin American and Caribbean one is the most powerfully worded one as well. Um, and of course, we're also pleased with Costa Rica um, not having their own military, even though they've moved a little bit in that direction. Um, at the insistence of the U.S. But, um, yeah, it's going to be a very powerful Mm -hmm. part of our trip after we've done the navigable waters of the United States. Mm
0: -hmm. So we have to leave it there. And what a remarkable story of peaceful resistance by the Golden Rule and its crew. And it's not done. The Golden Rule has more to add to its story. And consider this. You might be able to be a part of it. Remember the website. VFPGoldenRule.org. There you'll find all the information you need about the project. And if you scroll all the way down, there is a wonderful little documentary about the Golden Rule. So, to finish with a song, I'm sure you remember at the beginning of the show that Jerry mentioned that there were two songs. Well, here's the other one from Dave Robix. Have a great week. Bye now.
5: Albert was in Pearl Harbor.
3: That's just
5: where he happened to be after serving through the war in the Navy. It was the 6th of August Never felt this way before. He decided then and there There was no way to morally fight a war. Albert joined the Society of Friends. Like him, they believed The means must match the ends. He resigned from the Navy For he would be no one's tool Who did not believe In the Golden Rule. You do unto others as you'd have them do unto you the golden rule The Golden Rule What do you do when you join the opposition? You collected signatures. Sent in the petitions. Sometimes you must bear witness. You can't just burn the fuel. So Albert and his comrades set out on the golden rule. You'd do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. The golden rule. The golden rule. for the scars from the radiation rain Every week a new explosion in this planetary duel to test weapons of mass destruction Enter the golden rule, they were arrested in Hawaii At least this particular crew The Hiroshima Phoenix was the first boat to make it through publicize the tests that were unraveling the school And to introduce the golden rule Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you The golden rule The golden rule Do unto others as you'd have them do unto you Golden rule.